So Pastor Kyle uh, assigned me the passage, uh, Deuteronomy 18, so if you want to start turning there, Deuteronomy 18, 15 through 19, and we'll read that in a moment, but um, it's in reference, it's a reference uh, verse, or verse set of verses from Luke 7, uh, in particular verse 16, which he preached on this morning, which says, after Jesus raised the son of the widow from the dead, fear seized them, seized them all. And they all glorified God, saying, a great prophet has arisen among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about him spread throughout the whole of Judea, and all the surrounding country. Fear seized them, for a great prophet has arisen among us. This again, reference to Deuteronomy 18, 15 through 19, which I'll get right into immediately. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me, speaking of Moses, Moses speaking, from among you, from your brothers, it is to him you shall listen. Just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God or see his great fire anymore lest I die. And the Lord said to me, they are right in what they have spoken. I will rise up, raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. And I will put my words in his mouth, and I shall speak to them all that I command him. He shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. So I've developed three devotional considerations from the passage. The first is the fear of God is right. The second is, how is the prophesied prophet like Moses and Moses like the prophet? And the third is, Jesus is the prophet here prophesied who God commands be listened to. So the first consideration is the fear of God is right. This is sandwiched in between God's provision saying he's providing a prophet like Moses and it says they are right in what they have spoken when they said, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God or see his great fire anymore, lest I die. This is a rehearsal of the scene in Exodus, Exodus 20, and I'll read that as well. Now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled. And they stood afar off and said to Moses, You speak to us, and we will listen. But do not let God speak to us, lest we die. Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to test you, that the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. The people stood afar off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. 
And so also recall from Exodus 34 when Moses came down from that mountain with the Ten Commandments, his face shone, it shined. The people knew that he had been with God. He had to put a veil over his face in order for them to tolerate. They feared Moses because he had been with God and he shone. In Deuteronomy again, in chapter 5, they, they said, the people said, Behold, the Lord our God has shown us his glory and greatness, and we have heard his voice out of the midst of the fire. This day we have seen God speak with man, and man still lived, that being Moses. Now therefore, why should we die? For this great fire will consume us. If we hear the voice of the Lord our God any more, we shall die. For who is there of all, the of all flesh that has heard the voice of the living God speaking out of the midst of the fire as we have and has still lived? Go near, Moses, and hear all that the Lord our God will say and speak to us all that the Lord our God will speak to you and we will hear and do it. I have to admit when I first uh, started studying this passage, I referred back in my memory, and I, I've always thought that the people sinned when they said, Moses, you go, you go, don't let God speak to us. I thought that they were rebelling against God. I thought they were rejecting God. Um, but here, obviously, God proves me wrong. He says the people are right to be feel this way. And so uh, I, I am amazed. Of course, the reason why they would fear is because God is God. He is Almighty God. His voice, though it thunders in their presence, it's unimaginable. We can't even imagine what it would have been like. The voice that created the universe, the heavens and the earth and everything with a word, speaking out loud and in person with a man. They only hear the thunderings and the lightnings and the mountains shaking. And you can bet, I mean, how many of us, even just in our homes, when a severe thunderstorm comes and the thunder is rattling our houses, don't we fear? Can you, you can't even imagine. You can't even imagine. So they're right to fear and ask God to speak through Moses lest they die. Remember Moses was in the cleft of the rock? And God said, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. And we do have the testimony of the Hebrew, the writer of Hebrews, who said, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble, tremble and fear. So this scene introduces the reality of the need for an advocate, a mediator between God and man one that's provided by God himself, as in this case Moses was, where he speaks to Moses so the people, in fact, did respond rightly. This provided God all what he needed, and it was right, it was right for that to happen. It points to the gospel and the fact that a great gulf exists between mankind, unholy man, and him who is of pure eyes and to see evil that we could never see God face to face or be accepted by him without a mediator, without an advocate, without a substitute. 
and most importantly, a substitute who himself must be holy. And that only, only he can save us from the fear and wrath of God. Considering our theme this morning of this morning's worship, which was the compassion of God, I knew I'd have to do this, but I had to change up all my original draft <laughs> because it would be right for me to do this. Um, you can see that it was really in God's compassion that he spared the people by speaking to Moses instead of them, else they would die. So it's out of his compassion that he did that, and so I cherish that. For God is not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. So not only is the fear of God right, but the fear of God is commanded. Joshua, who succeeds Moses in his final instructions to the people, said, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and faithfulness. Samuel prophesied, If you will fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, it will be well with you. But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you. Referring back to Deuteronomy 18, 19, whoever will not listen to my words, that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. Recall this morning when Pastor Kyle said that if scripture says something twice and then again three times, uh, we should really pay attention. Well, I looked it up, so somebody's tracked this. The fear of God is mentioned over 500 times in scripture. So I think we should give attention. And that's really what I had in mind when I prayed the prayer earlier that we revere God in our worship. Part of that reverence is the fear of God, that we are in the presence of God, that we are in the house of God. We are the temple of God. God, Jesus promises to be with us always. He put a spirit in us. He guards us with his spirit. He speaks to us with his spirit and his word. We are really compelled to fear God reverently and worship him day in and day out, moment by moment. But some of the best known, well-known examples, Proverbs, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So even just knowing the Lord, the beginning of knowing the Lord is fearing him. Again in Proverbs, fear the Lord, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. And that's what we're, that's what he wants for us and that's what we want from him, to know him, for him to know us in salvation and for us to know him in worship. There are gospel implications of this. From Psalm 96, declare his glory among the nations. We prayed for this earlier. His marvelous works among the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. And in Psalm 67, God shall bless us, referring to all the nations. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Peter commanding Jesus, or commending Jesus to the crowd in Acts 3 quoted what Moses prophesied again from our text. The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him, and whatever he tells you, 
And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to the prophet, to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. Again, referring to Jesus. Peter goes on to call on them to repent. Therefore, turn back that your sins may be blotted out. Paul said, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. And we prayed for that as well. And the writer of Hebrews says, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And so we demonstrate our compassion by praying and persuading others. Praying for and persuading others. The second consideration then is how is the prophet like Moses and how is Moses like the prophet? In regards to Moses, Deuteronomy 18 says, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going back and quoting that again. Let me skip that. About Moses, Deuteronomy 34 says, And there has not risen, arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. None like him for all the signs and wonders that the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his servants, and to all his land, and for all the mighty power and all the great deeds of terror that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. There have been none like the prophet Moses. Like Jesus, Moses had compassion and sympathy for the people. He loved them, and he selfishly served them and advocated for them even before God, reminding God of his promises to the chosen nation. Like Jesus, Moses, God communicated with Moses directly. He gave Moses his power to perform those miracles. He gave Moses his word, his laws, the prophecy. He spoke to the people through Moses. Numbers says, Numbers 12 says, He, Moses, is faithful in all my house. With him I speak mouth to mouth clearly and not with riddles. And behold the form of the Lord. Like Jesus. Like Jesus, God gave Moses strength to endure many hardships and difficulties from the people. Treated at times even as their enemy. Doubted even by his brother and sister. And how is the prophet Jesus like Moses? Hebrews 2.17 says, He had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Like Moses, Jesus was raised up as prophesied from among his Jewish brethren, God's people, God's nation. He's one of them. He's a man born to a woman in a lowly manger, into a household subject to his parents with brothers and sisters. He dwelt among and ate with the common people. Like Moses, Jesus had compassion on the people. When they were hungry, he fed them. He healed all who came to him. They were sheep without, like sheep without a shepherd, and he shepherded them. Like Moses, Jesus advocates, advocates for and suffers for God's people. Though not, of course, as infinitely, like Moses, Jesus advocates and suffers for God's people. Not like Moses, though, he more infinitely and more completely and more effectively, since he is the Holy One, in whom all the, dwell, all the fullness of God dwells bodily, who fulfilled all the law and the prophecies perfectly and according to all that the Father had told him. The third consideration then is Jesus is in fact the prophet prophesied who we are commanded to listen to. 
Deuteronomy 18:15 again, it is to him you shall listen. Verse, 15, verse, eight, verse eight, 18, I will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command him. In uh, Luke 7, 16 again, referring to this morning's passage, fear seized them and they glorified God. A great prophet has arisen among us, this being Jesus. God has visited his people. Jesus is here. In Luke 9 of the Transfiguration, appearing with Moses and Elijah, God spoke with his voice from out of the cloud, saying, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. And at the end, nearing the end, in John 17, Jesus prayed, "Now Now they know everything that you have given me is from you, for I have given to them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth, that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. Going back to John 12, Jesus said, The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. So in conclusion, I draw two conclusions for our our devotion. Let us devote ourselves by more earnestly conducting ourselves in the fear of God, that it would be evident to a watching world as we abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor, not being slothful in zeal, but fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. In such a way that, for instance, If an unbeliever or outsider enters our midst, he would be convicted by all, called to account by all. The secrets of his heart would be disclosed. And so falling on his face, he would worship God and declare that God is really among us. And I gotta say, this morning would have been that time. If we had a crowd of unbelievers here, they would have been on the floor. Let us devote ourselves secondly then in earnestness, to seek to have compassion, to persuade others, knowing the fear of the Lord, knowing that it is certainly a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God, and knowing that Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and knowing that faith comes by hearing the word of Christ. May we be engaged in persuading the lost to believe in Jesus Christ, who is able and willing to sacrifice his own self his own body, his own holy life, to compassionately forgive all their sins, to raise them from the dead, to save them from the wrath to come, to the glory of God in Jesus Christ. Amen.